Okay. But today, it's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful day to be in. In the midst of all the things that are going on in the world, we can rejoice. Amen? We have the victory in Christ Jesus. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Isn't that what the Lord said? He said, be of good courage. He said, I've overcome the world. And as we focus on the Lord this morning, as we focus on Him and set our minds on Him, and not on the things of the earth, His life is manifesting in us. His, might, his life and power comes through us. And that's what I, I want to get into in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it, it, in it, it's about Paul, the apostle, talking to the Corinthian church. And he's, he's, saying, he's saying to the Corinthian church, and, and he's questioning them because of, of uh, they're questioning him. Because he was explaining to them in verse 17 of chapter 2, it says, For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. And verse 3, it goes on, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need as some, as some letters of commendation to you or from you? Verse 2, You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. I'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the new covenant in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ being our mediator, our high priest, and we thank you today, Father, for the revelation of your word by the Holy Spirit. We just ask, Lord, that in, enlighten our eyes that we might hold to the truth, the true knowledge of the Son of God and grow up and mature in all aspects into him. Father, we thank you that by faith we're all sons of God. We're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. No longer slaves but sons and heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. Lord, your word is truth, and we, we receive it this morning. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for your anointing of grace to speak your word and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, weeks before, I was talking about the old covenant that we've been brought into the new covenant to the Jews. The Jewish nation, God gave them the Mosaic Law. They lived by the Mosaic Law, right? The Ten Commandments plus maybe 600 other laws and, and of, all, of all society of how to deal with every problem, every area of life. And the Jews, uh, God said, I'm going to have to give a new covenant because... He said the Jews could not keep the Old Covenant. Right? And so I want to start by reading in Jeremiah 31, verse 33 and 34. I got it written down here. But this is 
the revelation of the new covenant given by Jeremiah to the people of Israel. And he says, This is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Here again he says, I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. Remember what I just read from 2 Corinthians was about Paul saying, you are our letter. Not written with ink, but written by the Spirit of God. Right? He's, he's saying how the Lord wrote it by His Spirit on tablets of human hearts, not on tablets of stone. And then in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This is the new covenant. Because the old was not sufficient, the people, Israel, failed in keeping it. So God said, I'm going to give the new covenant. And it was his plan from all, all along. It was hidden in ages past, but it says in, in Colossians and Ephesians, God willed it to reveal to us in the end times. What is that revelation? It is a mystery that has been revealed. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Him, the Lord. He is declared in Colossians, He is declared Son of God and all authority is under His feet. He is the head of all authority. Nothing is above Him. He is far above, it says in Colossians 1. Far above all authority, all thrones, all power. Every name that is named is under his feet. And he goes on and says, the church, he is the head of the church, and we are his body. Amen? We are his body. So this new, new covenant, it says somewhere that it is better. In the book of Hebrews it says, this new, new covenant has better promises. And you think about it, you look at all the I will. God says in Ezekiel, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You hear that? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You know, this new covenant has some other words to describe it as we go on into um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul is talking. And he goes on, first of all, we, we know he said, you are our letter. He's speaking to the Corinthian church. You are our letter written the letter of Christ written 
by the Spirit of God on the hearts of the people. In other words, they had a transformed life. Before they came to know Christ, we we're all sinners, right? We're all in our dead. We're all dead in our sins. Not just sinners, but dead in our trespasses. But when we hear the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done at the cross and we receive him and give our life to him, he causes us to be born again. His spirit comes in and gives us life. His life. We can't separate the life of the spirit from the son of God, Jesus Christ. They're one. Jesus himself said, my words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. He said the flesh doesn't profit you anything. It's the spirit that gives life. And so Paul here, he makes a comparison as we read in verse 5. It says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. In other words, what is he saying? He says on Mount Sinai, when God gave Moses the tablets of the Ten Commandments, God wrote it with his finger, engraving it on those stone tablets. And he gave it to the people and he said, you shall do this. And the people said, yes, we will do it. But that very day when God gave the Ten Commandments, what happened? Aaron and the leaders were already making a molten image of a calf idolatry was already there and what happened that day it said over 3,000 died when God gives the law God gives the law there is condemnation there is judgment before the law came before the day Moses gave the law the children of Israel came out of Egypt God provided the lamb of uh, Passover lamb They came out of Egypt. They went through the Red Sea. They were grumbling and complaining, saying, why did you bring us up to kill us in the wilderness? Better we have died in in Egypt. And they were complaining. But God didn't judge them. God didn't say anything. He always answered their prayer. We want food. We, We need water. They were tested at the waters of Marah, right? And what happened? The water was bitter. They couldn't drink it. God showed Moses a, 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 a branch. You could say like a cross. He threw it in the water. The water was made sweet. And they were able to drink. This is all before they went to Mount Sinai, before they received the law. None of them died. Matter of fact, when they came out of Egypt, it says in Psalms 105, there was none feeble. There was none feeble. Can you imagine being a slave for over 400 years under Pharaoh? They were being pushed beyond their limits to the point of backbreaking, right? Making bricks, having to make bricks. They were slaves. They were slaves. Yet on the day of the Passover, they, they came out of Egypt, not one feeble. There was a supernatural happening that night of the Passover. They received something from the Lord. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's called grace. It's called His mercies. Loving kindness, tender mercies. The Bible teaches us when there is no law, sin is not imputed. Sin is not 
When Abraham, let's go back 400 years before the law of Moses, God came to Abraham, right? And Abraham obeyed the Lord. He came out from his homeland. There was no law given, but there was the consequences of sin in the world. There was sin in the world, and death came through sin. And what happened? From Adam all the way up to that point, people were dying. There was rampant, all kinds of evil going on. But the law was not given. And yes, there was consequences we know of Sodom and Gomorrah and different places during the time of Abraham that God judged those cities. But the point was with Abraham, God declared Abraham, God did, declared Abraham because Abraham believed God's words. He believed the promise that, that uh, God gave to Abraham. That through him all the nations would be, be blessed. That he would have a son. If you read about it, right, in, in Genesis 17, you can read all 14 through 17 and all, all the way through. But the point of this is that God promised Abraham there was no law given. And God made a covenant with Abraham that God would fulfill his promises to Abraham. And this is before the law came in. It was, this is why Abraham is called the father of faith to us. And all of us, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're of the seed of Abraham. I'm not going to go into detail on that right now. This is just an overview coming up to the point where all the life of Abraham, and you read about Abraham, you know he wasn't perfect. He lied a couple of times about his wife being his sister, right? Because of, and he messed up. But if you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all the heroes of faith. You'll find in there, there's no mention of that about Abraham. There's no mention of the failures of Moses when he killed that um, Pharaoh's, one of Pharaoh's men. In the halls of faith, God erases our past. He cancels out everything of the old. All the, the old sins, past, present, and future. And it's through faith that we, we come back up to the, the book of Galatians when I was talking last week about how in Galatians, Paul was explaining to the Galatian church, they received Christ. They, they started on the path of faith and the Spirit, but then they started getting off because of some uh, Jewish teachers that came in and said, yes, you get saved with Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. You also need to do these laws. You have to, have to observe these days. You have to... The, Jewish rituals you have to keep. And Paul, that's why he wrote that letter, to explain to them that these, these guys are wrong. It's from the beginning, the just shall live by faith. We live by faith, just like Abraham, our father Abraham. He believed what God promised him. He believed in God, that God was able to give him a son, even in his old age, 100 years old. He hoped against hope. It was totally impossible for man, but it's possible with God. Right? And that, Jesus said that to his disciples. 
God did a miracle because He wanted to show that this is by faith and trust in Him alone. In our own selves, our adequacy, as Paul said, we are adequate in our, we don't have in our own selves what it takes. This, this, this grace, this faith comes from God that when we hear faith comes and we put our trust and confidence, we throw ourselves on Him to save us. We're not saved by our good works, right? We understand these things. We're not saved by good deeds. There's nothing good in ourselves that could save us. It was Jesus Christ and His righteousness, His goodness, His obedience to the Father. He kept, He's the only one who could keep the law of Moses perfectly. And the law, we find out in Galatians, it says the law was given to reveal sin to expose it for what it really is, the sinfulness of sin, the evil of sin. The law was given so that man would realize he needs a Savior. So when we read the law, when we read the Ten Commandments and you read all the laws in the Old Covenant, we understand what sin is, right? Paul explained it. You would not have known what is lusting after things called covetousness unless the law had said do not covet. So what is this, this, God has made us adequate, Paul says, as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills. When you read the new Old Testament, and that's all you're reading, and that's all you're doing, it kills. It kills. The, the law was given, it's good, it's righteous, but it does not impart life. You understand that? It does not give you life. Only the Spirit of God, Christ, gives you life. He says, verse 7, he says, if this ministry of death, that's another comparison Paul gives about the Old Covenant. It's a ministry of death. Death. What a picture, huh? The letter kills. Death. You think about the old uh, religious uh, regulations the Jews had, the Israelites had, in the, when they had the Moses' law and the, the tent of meeting with the Lord, and all the animal sacrifices were going on all through the Old Covenant. Daily, daily, blood was being spilled of innocent animals, right? Constantly. All kinds of Different sacrifices were made. And you will see, if you study it, it all points to the, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, of His atoning death. But it goes and it says, This ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory. In other words, there was a glory, there was an honor that God gave. God's protection, He dwelt among the people during that time. But they kept on failing. And all through the Old Covenant, God kept on sending prophets to the people, telling them to come back to their first love, telling them to put away their idols, because they were, they were becoming like the people of the, the countries that surrounded them. They had the law and covenant of God, but they weren't keeping it. And so God sent prophets to warn them about coming judgment if they did not obey. And in God's long-suffering, He how many, I mean, how many times? But finally the judgments came and the final judgment was the one that happened 
where they were separated from their homeland, dispersed throughout the world for a thousand, over a thousand, two thousand years. But God is faithful to his promises. And what happened? He called the people. He prophesied it through his prophets. He will call the people back to their homeland. And we see the fulfillment of that in our day, of God's love and kindness, even in the midst of all the, the law-breaking and the rebellion that was going on. God is faithful to his promises. The law is given to expose our sin and our rebellion in our hearts. And it talks about how Verse 8, it says, How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation, verse 9, has glory. There's another comparison. The ministry of condemnation. The Old Covenant was a ministry of condemnation. Have you ever felt condemnation? Condemned? Just read the Old Covenant. Read the Old Testament. And I tell you, the devil loves to condemn God's people. He loves to condemn everybody he can. If he doesn't, he has all kinds of tricks, but especially us, as believers in God, he'll try to lie and tell us God isn't good, God doesn't bless, and that we're condemned by him. He said, you broke the law. He always condemns. He's like a prosecutor condemning us. And that, he uses the law to condemn people. But it says... For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. The new covenant is a ministry of righteousness. Righteousness, right standing, reconciliation with God, imputed righteousness as a gift. In other words, you can't earn it. God declares you righteous like Abraham by believing what God says and as God promised Abraham. God promises us. He said, whosoever, right? John 3, 16. Whosoever believes, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? Whosoever believes that he gave his only begotten son shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we see the ministry of righteousness. It abounds in glory. I'm going to go on here. It says, um, there, verse 12, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, and we are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. You know, because Moses was in the presence of God, it says when he went up to the mountain and he came down, his face was shining, shining with the glory of God. There was a shine upon him. You know, like the halo, right? It's a, there was a supernatural spiritual light shining from Moses' face. But it was fading. It was fading, so he would cover his face so that they would not see the fade. But in Christ, but it goes on, it says, verse 14, it says, Their minds, the Israelites at that time, were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. 
What is that freedom? The freedom from the law of law keeping in the sense of an outward, like you can post the Ten Commandments on the school, right? That's great, but there's something better than that. It's called the love of God at the cross, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And by repenting and believing on the Lord Jesus, we shall receive the Holy Spirit. We shall receive the Holy Spirit. And this is the ministry of righteousness. To be able to understand that at the cross, we are, Jesus did all the work. Under the old covenant, we're doing the work. We're doing work. We're performing, trying to keep the law. And it's a, it's a he's saying here that it, it doesn't produce righteousness. If you try to keep the Ten Commandments in your own strength and think that you're going to gain approval with God, that's the, that's the deception. That's a lie. It only points out our sin. It only points out our failure. It only points out our rebellion of our hearts that where sin resides. That must be, we must come to the place where we cast all our care on the Lord, cast our, 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 our trust and faith in the Lord that what he did at the cross, it is finished and we are saved. This is the gospel of righteousness, of grace that we preach. And it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So we understand by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as we behold the glory of God, as we behold Jesus, the glory of God expressed in a human body, right? Jesus became a man. As we behold him, we, we understand Jesus came to show the Father, to reveal the Father. As we behold him, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And I, understand this, I'm not saying it's, we can, it's okay to go on sinning and breaking the law, no. I read earlier, right? What does God do in the, old, uh, the New Covenant? He puts a new spirit within you. He writes his law in your heart. In other words, he gives us a new nature. He takes out the stony, hard heart, and he gives us a heart of flesh. And how does he do this? It's all through faith in him, by trusting him to do that work, because of the cross, because of what Jesus did at the cross. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. This is what he does. <clears throat> now I want us to go on to I'm going to read from <clears throat> I'm going to read something from 1 John as I said as we behold his glory we're being changed uh, chapter uh, 1 of 1 John it says what was from the beginning what we have heard what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Talking about Jesus Christ. And he says, the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. The word of life manifested. Jesus Christ manifested. 
What does it mean to be manifest? It means to be revealed, right? Paul, and 1 John, he's talking about how they, as the apostles, while they were disciples, the word of life, Jesus Christ revealed himself to them. And it says the life was manifested. And it says later on in this book, it says that whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have the life. The life was manifested to us, but when you receive the Son of God into your life, you receive the Holy Spirit. That life begins to manifest in your life, in my life. From one degree of glory to the next, as he said, we're being transformed. We're being transformed. You know, in 2 Peter... Second Peter, I want to I touch on that. Because, you know, the life, the life is, is given by faith, right? It's given by the promise of God. It's given by the, the promise of God. It says in verse 3, seeing that his divine, in Second Peter, it says, verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence, by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. So that by them, by these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Hear this. The promises, the magnificent promises of the Lord, of God, are given to us so that we may become partakers of the divine nature. When we receive Jesus, we receive His Spirit, the divine nature comes in. But that divine nature has to be grow. Paul said it like, he said it has to be formed in us. It has to come forth and grow. And as we continue abiding in Him, that fruit of His divine nature, of His life, grows and we grow up into Him. That life, you could say, manifests in us and through us to the point, it's like leaven. Here, like a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. A, lump. a little leaven, a little yeast, put in a dough, will leaven the whole thing over time. The life of Jesus, he compared it to a seed that was planted, right? Jesus said, if you plant the seed, it produces even the size of a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a little seed planted into the ground. And it starts off growing, growing, and it becomes so large. It's the biggest of the herbs. That life in us is implanted like a seed. We're born again in the Spirit. You're born again. You receive life, your spirit. You know we're a triune being, right? Spirit, soul, and body. That life is implanted in us, in our spirit. We are born again. We are changed. We're made a new creation. We are declared righteous by God. In God's sight, even though we're not perfect. But in Him, He sees His Son in us. He sees Jesus Christ in us. No condemnation. We're in the ministry of righteousness. He declares you righteous. And His blood cleanses us from our past, present, future sins. It's all included. It doesn't give us a license to sin, but it says if we sin, in 1 John, 
He is faithful and just. We confess our sin to him. He is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and get up and walk with him. The devil wants to condemn you every time you mess up because the law will expose our sins. The law exposes your sin. And you always, you know how we used to say, uh, say that, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And we come before God, I'm not worthy, Lord, I'm not worthy. And we focus on the non-worthy part. But the Lord wants us to recognize what he did at the cross that we've been given, just like the prodigal son that came to their senses after eating, you know, living in the, the uh, uh, gluttonous life or whatever he was doing, a sinful life, and he came back, he came to his sins. I'm going back to my father's house. And what did the father do when he came back? The father seen him coming and he, he ran. This is a picture of God, our father. He ran to the son, his son, his prodigal son. And he gave him the robe, the robe of righteousness. We're covered. We got the robe of righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. It's the Lord's doing. He declares you from heaven and the courts of heaven. Righteous. Justified. What does that mean? Just as if I never sinned. In God's sight, He not only covers your sin or our sin, He erases them. He cancels it out. It's no longer there. Now why am I saying this? Because... In this world we live in, there's all kinds of messages, there's all kinds of gospels, you could call it, and there can be mixtures, okay? Paul had to teach against all of that through all the epistles he wrote, the letters he wrote. In Colossians, he was coming against those who were teaching about, you got to, you know, be intellectually sharp and, and far as philosophies. They were teaching on philosophies in the church. They were teaching on all kinds of stuff. Uh, asceticism, which was denying your flesh of, of marriage and, and uh, foods in order to be spiritual, in order to grow spiritually. That's all in Colossians. You can read about it. And what did Paul point to? He said, we are complete in Christ. Christ is our completeness. In Him, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. Jesus Christ is all we need. In Him we are complete. And by His doing, by God's doing, we're brought into Christ. Remember during the worship time, that word that was getting was, in that day you shall know, I'm in my Father, you in me, and I'm in you. Our, you know, Colossians, he talks about how our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Our lives are hidden. He says that we've died. We've died to the old. We've died. And now we're a new person. And it's very practical. It's very practical because he goes on and he talks about all the practicalities of living a heavenly life in this world. Our minds set on the things of heaven, the things at the right hand of God, of, of, and, the, and, and yet living a very practical life on this earth. You ever heard the, the term, uh, the saying, what is it? You're too heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, right? That's not true. You can be that way, but the true way is we become earthly good when you're truly heavenly minded in Christ. When you're connected to the true vine, which is Jesus Christ, and we're a branch, we will bear the fruit. We will bear the fruit. So we've died. We've died. It says the Lord teaches us in his word that we died to the law. When we were, 
when Jesus was crucified, we were crucified with him. We were crucified with him in order that we would be able to bear fruit, that we would die to our sin, die to the old, die to the law, and be raised up with him, made alive, and walking with, with the Lord so that we can bear fruit. I'll read that. I want to read that in Romans 7. Just a small uh, one scripture here. In, in Romans chapter 7, it talks about, it, God, um, Paul compares our life uh, of the old covenant with the law and the new. The old and the new. And he compares it to a marriage. And he compares it in the sense that uh, if a woman, if a married woman says, verse 2, for the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. And he goes on and talks about how we also, we also, we have died with Christ. We have died with him in God's in God's plan at the cross. Verse 4 it says, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. We were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. Think about that for a moment. It goes on, and chapter, well, chapter 6 of Romans says, we are not under law, we are under grace. If we've been born of the Spirit of God, born again by faith in Him, we are not under law, we're under grace. But the problem was with the Galatians at that church, they wanted to go back under the law even though they were born again. And so they started practicing some laws, which was unnecessary. And depending on those laws to perfect themselves in holiness and that word sanctification to become more pure and everything else, thinking that by keeping the laws they were going to achieve that. But the Bible teaches us it's not through keeping the laws, it's by abiding and being under the grace of God that He does it in us. He does it in us. It says, this is the answer to this. It says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works, who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. While the letter kills is because they didn't have the Spirit of God working in their hearts. They were trying to do it in their own power and, and strength. The Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, the New Covenant, He does it all in us, and we just work it out by, by the obedience of faith now. There is an obedience. We just abide in Him and do what He says, not to be saved, but out of a, a new heart of love that we are so, because He first loved us, we love Him, and we give ourselves to Him I want to read this in um, Colossians chapter 2. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit of the New Covenant. And it says, In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, 
having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. This is a picture of what I read in uh, Jeremiah, how he would, how the Lord would put His law in our hearts. And in Ezekiel, how He would sprinkle us and He would remove from us the filthiness and give us a new heart and put a new spirit. This is a picture of what happens when we receive Christ. The Lord does a work of circumcision. A, work, a cir- circumcision means a cutting away of that old self, the, the, the person that was... Uh, before you came to know Jesus, before you received Him, that person is done away with at the cross. We are crucified with Him. And we look not to Him. We look to, we are a new self now. We're a new creation. And it's the Lord's working in us that it's, it's the removal of the body of the flesh. Not talking about this physical body, but it's the, that, that part of us in our old nature that wants to sin, that sin has corrupted so we've been buried with him through baptism. Baptism means we are immersed in Jesus. We're identified with him. And also we are raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. He says in verse 13, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our sins. He's canceled out. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which were hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. I'm going to stop there. But think about this. Let me explain this. All the the law the law demands judgment. The law, if you live by the law, you will be judged. You will be condemned by the law. We're not under law. We're under grace. What does that mean? We're looking to Jesus. At the cross, Jesus paid our debt. He paid, he paid everything that, all the trespasses that we committed in our life, everything, every debt that we could not pay, every sin that we committed, Every evil thought, every evil word, everything that the the law says is evil, it was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Just like how Jesus had posted on the cross above him. What what did it say? Here's the, the king of the Jews. Now the religious leaders, the guys under the law, they said, hey, no, he said he's the king of the Jews. They were accusing him and saying, you're, you blasphemy and so that, that, was, that was nailed to the cross right there. And all of our trespasses, everything we said and did that was of sin, God nailed it with them there. He canceled. You talk about cancel culture? The Lord canceled out all our life of sin, that old whole self, the body of self, the old man, the old person. Canceled them out at the cross. Paid for, past, present, future, your whole life. The blood covered it. Think about that for a moment. Everything that was hostile to us, he's taken it out of the way. He took it out of the way. You talk about freedom. 
from guilt, all our guilt, all our shame. It's by his stripes that Jesus bore before he went to the cross, all the whippings, the plucking out of his beard, everything, the crown of thorns. He did that for us so that we could enjoy the blessing, the peace, his life, the Father's life through the Son. He died for us so that we would die with him and be raised up with him. When we were already dead, we were dead before we came to Jesus. We were dead in sin and trespasses. You know what trespass is, right? No trespassing, right? We go beyond the border. The sign says, don't trespass. We've all done it in some way against God's moral laws. So now, through faith in him, we're all sons of God. We've been reconciled. Every, everything, the whole certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, all the condemnation of the law was done away with, canceled. Think about that. You, canceled. Totally, canceled. And so what does that mean? It says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You know, fallen angels, Satan, demons, they, they love to condemn. They love to use the law and your sins and bring up your past through your mind. Bring up these things, these memories. Something triggers a memory and wants to bring it up and condemn you about it and make you say, oh, I'm so unworthy, I'm so unworthy. Yes, in ourselves, we're not worthy. But through the, we're, we're not in ourselves anymore. We're in Him, a new creation. We put, on the, put off the old, He said. Put on the new self, created in His image and likeness. And learn to walk with Him. Learn. And it talks about all the practical stuff. Put off lying. Put off anger, bitterness. Put all these things off. That's of the old. Keep our eyes focused. Keep beholding the glory of God. And finally, let me say this. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Talking about Jewish things, right? Hey, those things were just a shadow. We have the, the reality. We have the essence. We have Christ himself now. It's all about relationship. It's all about having our Father receive us. He put, like the prodigal son, I said, He gave us the robe of righteousness. He gave us the, the, the ring, right? The ring of sonship. We're a child of God now. He's given us sandals for our feet. You know, in those days, the slaves were barefoot. We're no longer slaves. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. We're to walk around in this, not just in church, not just while we're here, but in the world, as shining as lights, holding forth the word, the word of life. The life was manifested. We have been given through the promises of God, the divine, the very nature of God, the divine nature, which is love, which is life of Christ. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir probably today, right? But the thing is, it's, we need to continually hear this. We need to hear this word because we need our minds to be renewed to it in such a way that we're, we're just walking in it. We're walking in the blessing. 
of the Spirit. We're walking in Him. I need to say this in Romans chapter 7. In order for this to really work in our lives, in order for this to really work, the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I could stop right there, but I'm not going to stop, okay? There's no more condemnation. You guys can handle a few more minutes, right? I've only been talking 48 minutes. <laughs> the point is this. No condemnation. No condemnation as far as in God's sight, we're righteous in Him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus became sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. When does that happen? When you believe. When you believe it. When you believe is what He said. You believe His love for you. It's not that we love God, but He loved us. We've got to understand that His love is so great. He calls us to Himself to come to rest. And He says, the mind, he says, uh, I'm going to read this real quick. He says, verse 6, it says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. I want to encourage you to read that whole chapter. I'm not going to read it. The mind set on the flesh is death, the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. What is the flesh? The flesh is the sinful nature, the old. You ever, you ever talk about your past and or being around somebody who's always talking about their past and all this stuff and, and uh, as a believer and you're bringing up all kinds of stuff and it's... The Lord, He's erased it. It's canceled. There's nothing to boast about except in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what He's called. The mindset. The mindset. What do we set our minds on? Determines whether we're going to enjoy this. So what is our part? We set our minds on the Spirit, Holy Spirit. We set our minds to lead us. He said, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are not under the law. Where we set our mind determines whether we're going to be under the law or under the grace. That's our part. What do we give ourselves to? Are we spending our time? What are we using our time for? As much as we invest our, our mind, our, what are we eating are we eating good things? I'm just saying these things because I'm preaching to myself. As much as we give, give our, our minds to the things of the Spirit, he says it in um, Colossians chapter 3. I'll just... Colossians chapter 3. He says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is revealed, when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Set our minds on things above. Where do we set our minds I really believe that's where God wants us to look. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on the Spirit. Ask the Lord to lead us and guide us. And I'll close with that. The old covenant, a covenant of condemnation, of death. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
set our minds on the Spirit is life and peace. If you set your mind on the principles of just uh, elementary principles, it doesn't lead to life. Set your, the only way is to set your mind on the Spirit of God, ask Him to teach us, reveal the things of God to us, and there will be life and there will be peace. The work is finished. The work is finished. Enter into that rest of faith. The rest, receive the promise of, and believe it and enter into that place. In that day you shall know I'm in my Father, you in me, and I in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord God, that we will um, grasp, grasp all that you've done, the riches of your grace towards us in Christ, that we are in the Beloved, that you love us even as you love Jesus. Same love. Father, that you've given us everything, made us heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It's all preserved for us. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You've done it all, Lord. Help us to see it. Help us to realize it. Help us to rest in your love and grace. Cease from our own striving. Come into that place of just sonship, not no longer slaves of performance, but in that place of acceptance and sonship, a place of peace, of life with you, Lord, of celebration, of joy, of our salvation. Father, that our eyes would be turned to you, constantly looking to you, Lord, as our source, the true vine, and we're the branches. I pray for that revelation. Be so filled up with you, Lord God, that we can walk in the freedom, the liberty, to love as it's your love, your nature in us, to love one another, to serve one another selflessly. Thank you, Father, for this day. Pray a blessing upon each one. Thank you for your protection, Father, from all evil, as you promised, as we abide in you, that no evil shall befall us, nor any plague come near our dwelling. Father, as we believe your promises, as we stay with you, you've given us authority over all the power of the enemy. Lord, that <clears throat> to tread on them, to tread on the enemy, to tr uh, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. Father, I thank you for protection, that every name is subject to your name, everything. In the name of Jesus, we exercise our authority and believe Believe by faith that we are protected from viruses. We are protected from every evil thing because of your doing. Thank you for the shield of faith, the word of God, the full armor to stand, to stand firm and to walk in the freedom and liberty of the Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for the fellowship and the blessing, and the communion with you, with the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.